December camp finished up this week as Camp Candy came came to a close in Los Angeles. The U.S. men's national team took on Bosnia and Herzegovina on Saturday, making they're winning their 17th game of the year, a U.S. men's national team record. In other news, we had Yanks abroad actioning continuing as the U.S. men's national team players who play in Europe continued on with a hectic domestic schedule, closing out the calendar year. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Yanks Go Talking. My name is Thomas. I'm filling in for Jake as the host, as he is with his family this week. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan. And with me is Manny, who is a some uh, occasional guest here on the Yanks Go Talking podcast. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Good, man. Camp, how did Camp Candy Cane came to a completion? What'd you say? That was, <laughs> that was pretty impressive to see you put that all together. It started off. Camp sure. Candy Cane came to completion. All right. Uh, doing well, man. <clears throat> it's definitely Christmas weather here. It's snowing right now. So hopefully my internet connection is not garbage. But sometimes when there's a little bit of inclement weather outside, that can be the case. But we'll, we'll do our best to power through. Eventually, one of these days, we'll get all three of us on a decent connection, but... It's, you know, it's going to happen sometime. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Manny, how you doing, man? Uh, you know, I can't complain. Um, it has not snowed here yet, but let me knock on some wood right quick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got props. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, you know, I've just been doing okay. You know, I've been kind of busy of late, but, you know, it's always good to, to talk about our, our favorite team. Well, glad we can finally get you on here. Uh, Good to have you back. I haven't talked to you since the Mexico game. So, guys, we had a game this last week. It was not the most exciting game. It was not probably the game we're most interested in this calendar year. But I did want to get your thoughts on this U.S. versus Bosnia game. Uh, I just want to talk real quickly about what we thought of the game overall, just sort of a 10,000-foot overview. Maybe, Ryan, let's start with you, see what your thoughts were on the game. I mean, going from an, a topical view like that, I think it's important for us to remember that this is basically, you know, this is January camp just a month earlier. So I don't want to get too high from anybody's performances or too low from anybody's, uh, you know, keep the expectations pretty minimal. I think it was pretty clear that what Greg was looking to do is just keep some of his regular guys getting some sort of minutes given the long break that's going on. Uh, so overall, you know, it wasn't the most exciting game that I've ever watched. But, you know, there was definitely a couple things to learn from it. And I think we'll go over, kind of go through player by player. But uh, I think it was what we've come to expect from a lot of January camps. I've seen a lot of like 1-0 against Canada or we played Iceland a couple of years ago, too. And I think it was 1-0. I'd be surprised if there were many that had more than two or three goals. So I think it was what you should expect from a game like that. I didn't take away too much from it. Yeah. Manny, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I'm kind of echoing Ryan, Ryan's thoughts a, a bit. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed because we probably wanted to see more of the, the, the younger kids that, that have been called up and, and called up in the camp. But as we, uh, as we probably get into it more, I, I guess there was a reason to why we didn't, um, obviously the, the, the main reason for that is because the, the guys that he uh, Greg considered um, vital to this, you know, qualifying campaign, he wanted to make sure that they, uh, you know, stayed sharp. Um, and so I, 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 I agree, but again, we'll get more into it later, but kind of, kind of hard to try to like, in my opinion, make sense of this game. If you, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat there. I, I don't really know what to make of it, given that it's a team 
Okay, the Bos- I was listening to Scuff yesterday. They mentioned that the Bosnian team had eight total caps on their roster. Total, wow. among all their players combined. That was literally a team of guys who'd never played together. They were all U23, and there was a red card in the 40th minute. So there's not a whole <laughs> lot we can take from this game if we're looking for tactics or player performance, at least in my mind, because it was just not a typical game. The opponent couldn't really do a whole lot. And then the red card just sort of makes the last 60 minutes kind of worthless for judging what's <laughs> happening in the game. So I'm, I'm almost disappointed that the red card happened because, you know, it makes the rest of the game kind of trivial at that point. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there's an indictment on these players that they that they had an advantage for almost, what, 50 minutes and, and couldn't do anything to the death? Oh, Ryan, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think I think there is something to, to say for that because <clears throat> I think it showed how important players like Serginho Dest or Timothy Weah or Christian Pulisic, Brendan Aronson, like there's, there's such a big difference, a big gap in the level of quality between some of the players that we saw uh, against Bosnia versus some that we've seen in qualifying. When you they go down to ten men, you can see them drop low. They're not. They're going to be putting ten men behind the ball. So I, you know, I think it was interesting to see an exercise in can we actually break something like this down? And you know, it's it's hard to say, but a lot of those guys have enough minutes in Burhalter camps that you should see some of those patterns of play he's talked about to you know disorganize a defense. But I, we didn't see a lot of that. And then also there wasn't the one-on-one ability from any, either of our wingers to really break anybody down to create an advantage. I think Jordan did pretty well in the first half. Uh, but other than that, he was more or less beating people for pace down the line. And we didn't see a lot of creativity to beat players. Yeah, no, I, I agree. One-one. And that was the exercise. They dropped the 10 men. And I think we, we failed that pretty miserably. Yeah. No, it, it definitely felt that way, where there was not a whole lot of disorganizing with possession, which is ostensibly what Greg Berhalter wants to do. And that's sort of frustrating to see, because this is, like we said, an inexperienced Bosnian team that, while they defended well, it sort of seemed like we were not willing to sort of test how well they were going to defend, and how well they were going to keep their shape. It was just a lot of whipping in crosses, which Brooks Lennon and Brian Reynolds did okay with that. But... I would hope that we could do better than just sort of sending in cross after cross after cross against a U23 Bosnian side, even with the talent we had on the field, which we'll talk about was not our usual talent. So let's go ahead and talk about our lineups here briefly. Let's let's get, I want to get your takes on what you thought from the, about the starting 11 and about the substitutes, uh, who you liked to see in the starting 11, who you were disappointed to see, and maybe the same thing for who you were excited to see get minutes and who you thought, should have gotten more minutes. Maybe start with Manny here. Um, I, honestly, <laughs> I forgot what the lineup was. Do, do you have yeah. the lineup in front of you? Yeah, I got it in okay. front of me here. We got uh, Matt Turner was our starting goalie. Okay. Across the back line, we went with uh, Br- George Bello as the left back. Henry Kessler was a center back next to Walker Zimmerman. Then we had Brooks Lennon as our right back. In the midfield, we went with a 4-3-3. Our six was Johnny Cardoso. Uh, the dual eights were Kellen Acosta and Christian Roldan. Then our front three line was Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, and Jordan Morris. Okay. Um, I think the only thing that I could probably say, like, hey, we, we need to see something different. I probably would have done um, possibly Caden Clark. 
um, for for Kellen Acosta or Rodon, either one, um, because it's like we know we know what we're going to get from those guys. And I think that was probably one of the more disappointing things that we didn't see more of the youth. But from my understanding, uh, I saw something uh, that the K K K Galazzo podcast from Jimmy Conrad that he heard that from reports in camp that there was probably only like a couple of the young guys in the MLS that actually showed up. The rest were just, you know, underwhelming. So if that's the case, then, you know, that's very disappointing. But in in my opinion, you want to see something different from, um, you know, you, you, we've seen these guys rolled on and, and, um, Acosta and we know what they can do. They don't, you know, at this point in their careers, they're not going to be high ceiling guys, but you know what you get from them. So it was just it, it would it was more disappointing that we didn't get to see Caden Clark at all, not even coming off the bench, you know, um, for a guy that's you know going to be going to Germany. Well, he if he's not over there already, you know, going pretty soon. So that would probably be my only um, hang up. You're, you're, on the, on the yeah, ladder. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> lineup-wise, once you realized what Greg's plan was from this window, I think we got everything we expected to see. Uh, I was big on wanting to see Tyler Booth. Didn't get to see him at all. So, you know, that was kind of disappointing. I thought there was an opportunity to get Caden Clark in there. I uh, was happy to see Cole Bassett, though. He's a player that I don't get to see a lot of, just given the time of, of the MLS games. So it was good to see him come in, make an impact. Uh, but other than that, from the lineup, nothing really like shocked me. I thought we made some of the right substitutions. Uh, Jackson Ewell was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, I don't, I, I would have just left Cardoso in. I think, you know, as many minutes as we can see with him, the better. Um, you know, out of the back, too, I think we knew we were going to see Turner. So that came to be expected. Uh, some people, you know, could, you could debate whether Kessler was the right pairing in the back, but. You know, I guess we didn't see enough out of Aaron Long to show that he's healthy enough yet to be on the pitch for even 45. Uh, che maybe didn't show enough in camp that he deserved to start. So in the back line, I, kind of what we expected, I would have liked to see a little bit more time for uh, Guns or Gomez and Reynolds, but, you know, uh, we'll take it. So I have no complaints necessarily about the lineup. Uh, just going through their play, uh, I thought Turner was fine. You know, he wasn't really tested too much. Uh, really didn't have much of an opportunity to show out. He didn't make any mistakes when playing out of the back. Uh, he kind of paced the game really well. There were times when you could press on the counter and times when you couldn't. He played smart. Uh, and then up top, I, I thought I was it was Jordan Morris was actually pretty impressive. I'll, I'll be the first to admit he's not a player that I typically rate very highly. Um, but I, he really impressed me. He, he looked pretty good. Again, I'm not taking away too much from this, but he showed enough in that game to say, you know, he, he warrants another chance. But my question to you guys is if Jordan Morris looks good and is worth being called back up into camp, remember we thought, given everyone healthy, we know who our four four wingers are. And that comes down to like Reyna, Weya, Pulisic, and Aronson. Given all those four are healthy, does Morris make it onto a roster? So in my opinion, I'm not sure that we're going to go with a three-striker look for the world cup, if that makes sense. So normally you'd take three strikers, four wingers, and that would be your attacking core. I think we're going to take five wingers and two strikers. Pulisic way up. Both can play striker in a pinch in an emergency. So if I am sort of looking at where Jordan Morris is right now, I think he's competing with Paul Areola for the 23rd roster spot. 
instead of with a third striker. I don't know okay. if you guys might agree, agree with that or not. I think it's more it's more forced than I've put into it. You know, thinking about how we're going to actually put together all twenty three. Just going with your generic, you know, four mm. wingers. That I was just kind of a, a a thought process where I was like, how do we fit this guy in? Uh, and then also too, you bring up Ariola. We still aren't talking about Conrad. We're not talking about Hoppy. So mm. there's, there's going to be a lot of people fighting for that position. I I was very interested to see coming out of that game, kind of wondering how we would fit him in. Another player that's been with the senior team a lot is uh, George Bello. How did you guys feel about Bello's performance? Because it was a little up and down, in my opinion. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I think of, like, all of the players. I think there was just maybe, like, one or two players. I'm like, okay. They, 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 uh, their play stood out. Now, agreed, Bello wasn't always solid going forward. I'll say that. But – defensively in my opinion you know he he was pretty much for the most part shutting down whatever was going on on the right right flank so i don't know yeah there was a couple t- there was one or two times he got big, big brothered but or little brothered but overall yeah i think he he definitely stood his ground okay i don't know what did you tom you're you're the atlanta fan <laughs> I, I figure you're the bellow expert what did you think i don't know it he was okay I don't think I have a whole lot positive or negative to say about Bello. He just sort of did the job. Uh, he, he he tends to be better defensively than going forward for the national team. He always just seems a little bit frantic on the ball. But, you know, he, there was not a whole lot to do, really, on the ball in this game. There was just a lot of shuffling the ball back and forth, not a whole lot of complicated attacking sequences. Not a, He didn't do a whole lot going forward, though. Yeah, I, it, it just it wasn't a game where we could really learn a lot about the fullbacks because they weren't really being tested defensively. And, you know, that's where our fullbacks have struggled a lot in our recent games is, yes, you can get forward. Yes, you're fine in possession when the ball turns over and there's a transition opportunity. Can you get back? Will you be in the right position? Can you help us stop the attack? And we just weren't going to see that out of Bosnia the entire game. So yeah. it's hard to really judge Bello as good or bad given that the one thing we really needed to see from him just didn't happen. But I'll, I'll say this, though, and this is kind of like a, 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 a like a thought that I've been having for like a while. Like even in situations like these where, you know, obviously chemistry, you're going to need to be playing with a group of players for a while to, to gain some chemistry with players. So any type of link up, any type of like run of play, obviously you're going to take that with some bit of context. Like, okay. They have not gelled together, but individual quality. I don't care if you've been playing with this team. Like for example, in the Revelations Cup, the, with the team got together what a couple days before they were start they were supposed to play, yeah. and you can still see the individual quality in certain players in their age group. Like that's just what it is. So, I I get in some some circumstances where the link-up play between players is not going to happen, but individual quality is going to stand out regardless if you've been playing with another player for one day or 30 days, you know? Sure. So, And I think they had, what, two weeks together in camp before this game, something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've been so together for a while. Still, yeah, practice time is only so much. you gotta have, got to have that game time together. But, Manny, I think you bring up a interesting point of like individual place for me one question mark coming in that i thought was something somebody that i really wanted to see was uh, cardoso and when i was going back and watching the game for the second time 
in the first like 20, maybe 22 minutes, there's two times specifically where Cardoso gets played with the ball and he's kind of in a tight space. And you can just see how much more comfortable he is on the ball than some of our other players when playing out the back. There was twice he played perfectly on the half turn and he didn't necessarily progress the ball forward, but at least played it lateral or safely back. But it was it was two times when I could you could see other players potentially panicking in that. So I was happy to see, given the first time he came out and played with the senior national or yeah with the senior national team, he didn't look so hot. So I was I was happy to see him come in, look composed, and play a little bit more of his game. How did you guys come away feeling about Cardoso? I I, I well, go. Ahead. Go ahead. I, I actually was very high on Cardoso. I liked what I saw from him progressing the ball. I liked how, how calm and comfortable he was under pressure. He just has a little bit of Brazilian flair about him that is sort of missing from the U.S. midfield a lot of times. So it wasn't a perfect performance. I clocked two or three balls that he hit, tried to hit a long diagonal that I think Adams connects on that he definitely, he you know, underhit the pass. Yeah, he floated but, both of them. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he, he floated both of them. If he hits that a little bit higher or a little bit more direct, those are probably complete passes starting an attack. But a lot of our good attacks did come from combinations between Cardoso and Roldan then getting it out down the right-hand flank. So it was good to see him sort of help combine those sequences. Given where we last saw him, we last saw him in the Olympic qualifying tournament in Guadalajara, and he was terrible every single time out. And... He wasn't terrible, which is, you know, a great step up for him. And he was actually, I thought, one of our better players on the night. So I, I'm i more than happy with that performance. He's, how old is he now? He's he's 20? 19. Okay, he's 19. So even, even try to even reinforce my point that he's still a young player and still trying to, um, you know, still trying to fulfill his potential. I I'll be honest. I wasn't necessarily uh, impressed by his game on Saturday, but I think the the encouraging thing is that you you kind of saw in some some spots where you know he has the potential to to man that six spot in the future, and I think it, it's a good sign going forward. Um, yeah, that, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of depth is never a bad thing there. <clears throat> Tom, I think it's kind of similar to how you said, like, it, it sucks to say, but the takeaway from it was like, well, I wasn't unimpressed. Like, yeah. because I hate to say it, but the first time, yeah, you saw him play, you're like, uh, I don't know about this guy. Seen yeah. a lot of hype about him, but yeah, it, it didn't necessarily correlate to what we saw on the pitch. So to see him taking one step closer to, you know, what we've been reading about and seeing, uh, happy to see that translate a little bit to the national team. Moving, yeah. moving a little bit up the pitch. I, th- I mean, do we need to touch on Acosta and Roldan? Do we kind of know what they are, they, what they did? It was kind of vanilla all the way around for those two. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Roldan is getting a lot of hate online right now. And <laughs> I think it is completely unwarranted because our two best chances do come from Cardoso and Roldan combining both the Lennon cross across the box and Pet Ferreira's cross into head, Morris's head. Both are started by Roldan or he contributes to them in some meaningful way. So... You know, I don't think that he was the worst player on the pitch and deserves the demonification that he's getting from the fan base, but he wasn't great either. There wasn't a lot of progressive play. You know what, Tom? MMA midfield. You know what, Tom? Rodon hit like a, like he hit a great like cross field ball, I think like right before the half. And I was like, huh. 
Like if he could hit that regular, like no, honestly, like if he could hit that regularly, then you have something because it's like that's kind of what we've been missing from the run of play of all of our teams, whether it's mm. Candy, uh, you know, Candy Kane or our, you know, just our full team. We're missing those like long passes. So if we can get a mid- midfielder that hits those long balls at a consistent rate. You know, then you might have to have your case to, to stake your claim on this team, you know? Yeah. Well, and last time we saw him play in Panama, he just kept hitting those balls to no one. So it's good to see him actually connect on one of those. <laughs> but, yeah, it's nice to see someone actually trying to hit those long diagonals. We occasionally do see it from our center backs. We occasionally see it from Adams. But, you know, McKenney prefers to play those on the ground, and Musit prefers to just dribble past everyone. So that's you're right. That's definitely something we don't see a lot of. It's just Acosta's not an eight for me. I don't know why I touch on him too because yeah, he was comfortable doing he he looks comfortable doing the six things. But when you try and put him higher up the pitch, did you guys think that he was anything special? No, no, and you actually hit the nail on the head. I was going to say the I think the takeaway from both of them, and it's been my complaint about Roldan for a while, is just he's just vanilla. Like you know what you're going to get. There's there's nothing exciting. Like when when he goes and dribbles one on one against a defender. Nothing about it goes like, ooh, this could be exciting. It's going to be like, they're going to run into each other. Probably going to turn the ball over. But if he plays quick one-two, you know, he can kind of cover for his lack of ability to take players on one-on-one. I don't think he's a stellar athlete out there either. So he's he's not a bad player. I, I And again, like we said in the beginning, not making too much from this camp, not taking away too too much from it. That it's it, Like you said, I don't think it deserves to be like, hey, we never – Never see him again. Circumstances to call him up, given a healthy lineup. I don't know that he's in my top four eights, uh, but from a lot of people talking about that, he plays on the wing for Seattle. So I, I get, I just think it's a very hard player to fit into the roster. So, and from Acosta, the big takeaway, like you said, Tom, is he's a six. He's, he's not an eight. I think yeah. that's one thing that we can say we kind of cemented the opinion that we already had was, yeah, we can't have him as an eight. He just doesn't do enough to progress the ball up the field. But lastly, up top, one person that I think, you know, is under a big spotlight right now. And again, we're going to keep it even keel and not take too much away. But I think it's tempting to start asking about the form of Mr. One and only Ricardo Pepe. Had a couple months ago. It's so funny, the emotions of football, especially when you follow like a national team that's only in camp every couple of months or every month or so. Because two months ago, I mean, everybody wanted every glass of Pepe Kool-Aid they could get. But right now, I don't think it's all that, you know, it's all that tempting. How's everybody feeling right now about Ricardo Pepe? I mean, that that's what happens when you you have a a team that's lacking goals up front. Whenever 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 somebody's scoring goals, they're going to, you know, they're going to parade for that person. So sure. I can't I can't blame the fans for we don't have a consistent scoring scoring threat up front. So whoever's scoring goals, that's who we're going to go with, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good sort of lesson in po- being a little bit more cautious in our player judgment and not anointing someone the savior immediately. I mean, you know, Pulisic has done that before and sort of set expe- expectations so sky high for teenagers. It's hard for us to remember that that's not really how teenagers usually play with national teams. They usually sort of struggle at first to find their form and find their footing. Pepe is going to be like any other striker prospect's going to be. He's going to score some chances. He's going to miss some chances. But yeah, he missed a 
that one in the 16th minute where the ball literally just flashes right across him and he can't even get a foot on it. It was a perfect ball from Lennon. I don't think that Lennon could have hit that any better. And he just completely whiffed on it. And that's disappointing to see. There is some arguments we made, and I think I'm pretty sympathetic to Pepe hasn't played a game since November 7th. Totally. Yeah. And yeah, six weeks off is hard for anyone to sort of get match fit, keep combining well, make sure that you're still completely sharp, completely in the right position. Your body's turned the right way every single time when you're sort of out of rhythm, the muscle memory is not there. How do you guys feel about sort of that argument that he's completely out of season and that's affecting his form? Well, I think it's pretty reasonable right now. Um, mm. You know, and that's something that we're going to run into a little bit of trouble come January because this was really his only opportunity. Uh, you know, luckily, PFOC's been doing okay. So hopefully there's some other forwards that are at least in form to where if we need them, I still think coming into the camp that we'll see Pepe as the starter. Uh, he's really earned the position and hasn't played badly enough when wearing the crest to, to not earn that. So I think it's reasonable that we'll still see him at the number nine coming into January. I want to generalize that a little bit because we've we've talked about a lot of MLS players and, you know, we generally said they were fine but not great. We rely on MLS players for a couple different positions. If they're fine but not great after six weeks off, how are they going to be after two months off when they're completely out of season? Is it worth even calling a lot of these guys in for January to get them in yeah, you know, are they going to be able to actually contribute at the national team level to this January camp window? Is, is this something we need to be concerned depends, about? Do we need to call it a different roster than we normally do? Depends on which players, which positions and players we're, we're referring to. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. I see that. We, so are there any specific think, players though? Yeah. That you think? Like our center back, like I think our center, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll probably be in the, the minority with this and I'm <laughs> people know me. I'm, I'm not too much of the MLS guy. However, I had, you know, I had the chance to see Zimmerman and, and Robinson that, that, that duo in person. And I kind of changed my, my perception of MLS defenders in defending. Um, those guys are some of the most athletic guys in the sport. Um, I'm, I, I'm disappointed that they're not better with their feet, but for what it's worth, we're, I don't think we're asking them, especially with, with the national team to be, um, you know, Perlo with, the, <laughs> with yeah. their feet. So yeah. um, I, I would still like to see them as starters until, you know, and until we have a situation where one gets, you know, suspended or something, but they both know how to, to cover for each other. And as long as MMM is, MMA is playing, Hey, you know, let's just keep going, you know, keep, keep, you know, doing what we're doing and doing, you know, do it well. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree that the center backs are sort of a different story than the midfield and the attack. I feel like, you know, Pepe's play concerned me. The MLS midfielders definitely didn't acquit themselves great. And so I'm a little bit worried about playing them in meaningful minutes in January, but I'm not as concerned about Zimmerman was by far the best player. And yeah, he just, sure. he yeah, just sure. continues to be. Solid, rock solid defensively at the back, and it so, was yeah, all, and it was almost just like we forgot that he actually played in the match because <laughs> I guess we were just focused on everything else that, yeah, you know, we we forgot that he was even playing in the game, you know. So. Yeah, he he just 
disappears because, and that's what you want from a good defender. If a defender is doing their job, you won't notice them at all. And it's very hard to notice anything Zimmerman did because, you know, he just cleans up everything. There's just not a whole lot that gets by him. And that's what you want from a center back. And so, yeah, I'm fine with Zimmerman, Miles Robinson after some rest getting called in. I do want to see a little bit more Euro heavy roster in January after seeing this camp though, like, especially in the midfield and at striker, mm-hmm. even though our striker situation in Europe is not very good. <laughs> we still got a couple, we still got like a month. So hopefully, yeah. you know, we'll see what happens. Mm, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. So touch base. Did you guys want to touch base on any of the, the substitutes from the Bosnia game? I, I do want to get your opinion on Cole Bassett, Cade Cowell, and Jonathan Gomez. I, I don't think we've – I guess Brian Reynolds, too. I think those are the four most interesting substitutes. I don't think we need to touch on Jackson Ewell. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those other four didn't have meaningful sub-appearances, so interested to hear what you guys thought of them. Well, go, I, I would have loved to have seen Gomez have to do something defensively. Just we were dominating possession so much by the time that he came on. Um, but, I, you know, as a young, smaller 18-year-old, uh, I, that's where I want to see is can he stack up defensively. But you could tell right away he was, you know, very comfortable out on the pitch, like used to playing with adults yeah, for being such a young kid. I think, you know, his time in USL has proved him really well. Uh, he didn't look like the moment was too big for him. And, hey, the fact that he was willing to take a turn and have a shot is the reason we ended up wanting one nothing. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a position that some other players could have been in and been a little too hesitant to pull the trigger and – Cool to see an 18-year-old, you know, not scared of the moment. And then for Brian Reynolds, you know, he's been in a wasteland out there uh, at Loma. He's only amassed 91 minutes since late May. So it was cool to see him at least get a little bit of time on the pitch. And I can't say that I knew, you know, a ton about his game before going over to Roma. But I would say from what I saw during the game, you could tell that he was very comfortable in like what looked like Rondo-type situations. You know, where he was on the pitch, they've got kind of like a 3v2 and just kind of passing around. There was the play late in like the 68th minute, I think, where it was Morris, Roldan, and Reynolds. And between the three of them, uh, Reynolds was able to overlap and run into space, played a nice ball to him. And that's the one of the ones where he kind of created a chance, but unfortunately the cross kind of went right to a defender. But it was those small movements where I'd like to say that, you know, potentially that's where he's growing as a player and seeing the game in triangles and see if he can, you know, open up space that way. Uh, we didn't really have to see too much from him defending as well. Again, dominating possessions, though. Didn't get to see too much from them, but was definitely excited to see both of them on the pitch. Yeah, I, I was too. I, I was impressed with both of them, actually. I thought Gomez's shot was just great to have a go and get it on frame. We put so many just everywhere except on frame. It was nice to see us actually get one on frame and test out a young keeper. I, I thought especially that play, keeping the ball alive, you know, the willingness to go into the challenge, recognizing that, you know, the Bosnian defender didn't do well once he'd won the challenge and being in the right position to recycle possession again was really well done from Gomez and a real big highlight from him. And Reynolds, if Sergino Dest had Brian Reynolds' ability to hit a cross, he'd be the best right back in the world. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Reynolds has a great cross. I don't know much about the rest of his game, but I was really impressed, especially given that a lot of our attacks seem to be right backs just pumping in cross after cross after cross. And, you know, they were pretty dangerous, especially given who we had at striker by that point in the game. That's not a bad strategy for breaking down a low block. And I I was happy to see that. I was 
less impressed with Cade Cowell, I think, than I was with either of the wingbacks or with Cole Bassett. Yeah, not taking away too much. Again, I've said it a million times, but I just don't want it because I don't want it to seem like I'm being overly harsh or too excited. But so far, the handful of times I've seen Cade Cowell, I don't see it. Like, I get it. The kid's 17 and built like a brick shit house. Like, he's (laughs) thick, dude. He's swole. But, I mean, his his first touch, meh, not great. His speed on the international stage, I don't think is anything to write home about. Uh, But, again, he's 18. He's young. He can still work on a lot of these things. So, you know, I'm not throwing in the towel on him. But, again, I just – I see the name a lot. There's a lot of hype around the kid. I just – Maybe need to watch a little bit more San Jose so I can see what the, the hype's about because I haven't seen it in a USMN t-shirt yet. Yeah. I, I Do you guys think he's actually a, a winger? Because that's where Burhalter seems to play him. I, I, I feel like he might be better as an out-and-out striker than he would as a winger. I could see what you I could see you saying that because of his frame and stature. Um, but it, it, it takes a lot to become a striker like it, it there's like a lot of moving parts and pieces as far as like that toolbox in order to be a striker and so like it's just easier to stick kids on the wing because it's like you have to, you have less responsibilities but when you're a striker you have to do so much you have to keep you have to keep a knowledge of all of your your players on the field not only that you gotta, you know, you gotta make sure that your your hold up play is right. You gotta make sure you're making the right runs, and then you could be doing all of that right, and still with no service, it doesn't matter. So it's just, it's a lot of responsibilities for one position. I, I think they just, I think they just stick him out there on the wing because, again, he does have that that physical ability, and he he had he he does have a little bit of wheels. Maybe not like on a um on a world class level, but. It's good enough for the MLS. And again, it's less responsibilities, a lot less to, to think about when you're on the wing, you know? That, that, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, if he was going to learn to be a striker, there's no one better to learn from than Chris Wondolowski. But, I, you know, as a winger, it's probably a better place for him to develop. And I would like to see him develop. I think he's got the physical tools to be a world-class athlete, but I just, I don't know if his, you know, his technical skills are quite there yet. He sort of reminds me a little bit of, Daryl DK in that regard, mm-hmm. where he just doesn't quite have the technical skills to match the physical tools he's got, which those could come in time, but I don't think they're there yet for the national team stage. I almost would have rather seen those minutes gone to another winger like Caden Clark or Taylor Booth or someone like that. Who? But, but what's the likelihood, though, that if because for the most part, like the guys that are technical, they were technical from a young age. Once mm-hmm. you get to that like mm-hmm. 18, 19 year year old age and you don't you don't have the technical ability, what's the likelihood that you'll you know, that you'll gain it? I mean, there I mean, for every Josie, there's like a million other kids that didn't, you know, that didn't gain those technical abilities. Um mm-hmm. and so what's the likelihood though that he will gain that? If he wasn't already. Yeah, it's it's pretty low. I, I would agree. I mean, it's, it takes hours upon hours on the wall and just, you know, doing 1v1 drills with your friends that you've got to just go touch the ball for 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I think there's certain parts of the game that can improve. I can't remember when it was from. It might have been January camp like two or three years ago. Uh, but I remember everyone being on Mihailovic's back for not being able to turn. 
because all he did he kind of just played back the whole time. And and I remember people shitting on him, giving him a super hard time. And he joked around like I, I tip my hat to him because the next week on Twitter, all he did was post videos of him like doing half turns over and over and over again. So like he heard it. But I mean, look at where Mihailovic is now. Three years later yeah. is one of the most impressive players in MLS and, you know, had a heck of a season. So I, I think it's possible. But I definitely hear what you're saying, Manny. It's mm-hmm. the likelihood of it slim to none. But you could see yeah. small incremental improvements. But are we going to see enough of improvement out of someone like Cal? Time still it, will determine that. But uh, right from from what I see right now, it wouldn't even shock me if he ends up as a right back. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I he has he's pl- shown some danger in MLS, but he's never really shown it with the national team. I do want to see him get some more looks as he gets a little bit older. See where he goes. I don't think he'll stay at San Jose forever. So if he goes to Europe, maybe gets a little bit more of a challenge in his development. We'll see it. But yeah, for right now, it's it's just not there. And there were other guys on the bench that I would have hoped would have shown out a little bit more. Uh, for example, Caden Clark, I think, has has something to show. And so does Taylor Booth. And both of them could play in that sort of hybrid winger role that Greg likes to play. It would have been interesting to see what they did with those minutes because I don't think we got enough out of Cade Cowell in those minutes. But I think, guys, we've touched on pretty much everyone on this roster, so let's get uh, last words on this camp and, I guess, last words going forward into this next year before we head abroad. Maybe start with you, Ryan. You know, I, you heard it like 100 times. This is a record-setting 17th win uh, in the calendar year for the U.S. men's national team. And, you know, is that's exciting and that's great. But what's still interesting to look at is it's literally all for nothing come this January window. Like there's so much pressure for the rest of qualifying for us on this January window. So I know the Fox guys wanted to hype it up because they, you know, they wanted it to seem like it was a really big friendly and a really big deal. So they're doing their part. But, you know, let's let's not celebrate too much for a one nil victory over Bosnia when you realize just how much pressure is coming up in January. It's huge. Yeah. Manny, got anything final to wrap up this Bosnia window? Um, 17 wins, never done before in, a, in that calendar year. I mean, I think it's something to build off of. And, you know, yeah. to kind of agree with Ryan, like, we know what's ahead and what, what needs to be done. So I, I hope um, all of the, the guys abroad are um, – I mean, obviously they're going to be focusing with their club on, on a day-to-day, but – you know, just come ready, come, you know, the end of end of January um, to to close this thing out. Because, I mean, it's it's very well possible that we could qualify after this window. And if they take mm-hmm. care of business, you know, that 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 is what will what will happen. So, um, yeah, just basically good year, good year overall. Let's build upon it. Let's, let's punch our ticket and then, you know, start this, you know, start the summer. Um, you know, building upon that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of Yanks Abroad, we have a bunch of Yanks Abroad in action this week. I do want to touch on them here. So let's go ahead and talk about our highlights, our sort of standout players this week from abroad. Ryan, you got any players who you thought stood out this week uh, overseas? So, I mean, I feel like it's getting we're, – we're talking about a lot of the same names, but I, I didn't bring up Brandon Aronson this week, so that's a small victory for me, I guess. <laughs> uh, but still going to go back to the well and, you know, go back to Joe Scally. He had a couple of games that were a little bit under his, his norm. 
So it was good to see him bounce back and get another 90 minutes. Right now he's 22 minutes away from surpassing 1,500 minutes in the Bundesliga as an 18-year-old. Wow. Yeah, like, yeah, especially we haven't even hit Christmas. Like it's crazy how many minutes that he's he's gotten. I think it'll be really interesting to see how the winter break goes for him. And then because then uh, you know, they're gonna have Mushroom's gonna have some players that are coming back healthy. So Scally will have a little bit more competition for minutes. Let's see if he can carry that on through the second half. But he did get an assist this weekend with a nice header on Wednesday against Frankfurt. So continues to show up and you know make a big performance for his team. Uh, another one, obviously, you know, big fan of Chris Richards went 90 minutes for Hoffenheim on Wednesday against Leverkusen. That was a huge game for them because now both Leverkusen and Hoffenheim are four and five in the table. So those two teams really battling it out for that fourth position still real early. So no reason to, you know, get overly excited about any sort of results, but still interesting to see that in a big game like that, that Honus would have the, you know, the faith in Richards to put him in. So glad to see him, you know, be successful. He hit the woodwork, almost scored again, had five accurate long balls, five out of six duels won. So overall, a really good performance for him. Uh, McKinney back in the lineup. I think that's, you know, big news as a star for the week. Uh, had 74 minutes, had the most tackles of any player. So he's back to regular Western McKinney going in and just, you know, doing his thing and disrupting games when he needs to. And then lastly, off the radar, just continuing to rack up minutes. No one's really talking about him, but Sam Vines in the month of December alone has 270 minutes in the Belgian league. So, you know, he's quietly doing work there, hopefully getting better day by day. But I think we saw from this past window, for me, it wasn't enough from Bello out of this that we need to, we need to still keep looking for that backup number six. Yeah. Or backup left back for Anthony oh, sorry. Robinson. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, Vines continues to show out. Um, I, I'm excited to see how he develops because he's playing in a great league. I guess he didn't really get minutes against McKenzie and Yank, but Excited to see how he sort of churns out and keeps going as he, you know, continues to get more time in Europe. Manny, do you have any players you thought stood out this weekend abroad? Um, well, obviously Jordan Pfock with the, uh, what, what what's it called when you get four goals? It's a great fucking day, You're right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just you know, I saw the goals. I'm like, okay, I get it. The, the, the defending wasn't the best, but I mean that sometimes that that'll be a, that could be enough to like propel you into yeah. it's a good form the only unfortunate thing is that was his last match until oddly enough around the time when world cup qualifying starts back up again so kind of disappointed but hopefully that was enough in greg berhalter's eyes to call him up for camp um who else mark mckenzie went 90 i believe over the weekend he did uh, um I like I like the fact that he went to he didn't go to a big league immediately. He he took a, like an intermediate step, right? So I like the fact that he's he's going he's went to this this club that shows that they'll they'll come in, they'll develop players, and then they'll you know obviously they'll ship them off. But you know they're in the business of developing players, and so I'm glad that he went to that club. Sometimes he doesn't play, sometimes he does. But for the most part, like as of late, he has been playing and he has been playing well. So uh, shout out to him. One player that I don't think many circles are talking about right now. And I don't even know if he's really on the radar right now. But Timothy Tillman. Timothy Tillman has been playing week in and week out for like the last, uh, I don't know, like month and a half. But um, when I watch him, you know, he, he... he has the soccer IQ. Now the, the athletic ability, 
you can kind of you know say what you want about it. But I you could when you see him play, he quickly moves the ball, he gets in his spots. The team, let's be honest, they're going back down. But I can't I can't see him <laughs> going to another Bundesliga team, whether uh whether it'll be a, a another upstart team that that gains promotion or just a, another like mid mid table team just as a death piece. I think he is Bundesliga level. We'll see um, this summer because they, I think they have four games this summer. A couple, few of them are Nations League, but I think uh, you know if they have a camp this summer, I'd like to see him and his brother be invited. They may not be, you know, they may not play because they still have to, you know, you know, follow those one time switch. But just invite them to camp and see if you know they like the setup. You know, who knows? But yeah, that's, that's all I got. That, that, it would be interesting to see the Tillmans play. I, I don't. I know Ryan. You sort of follow Timothy a little bit more than I do. He sort of seems to have displaced Julian Green as a starter for Greater <laughs> Fruits over the last six weeks. Totally, yeah. I, uh, it's they, a little bittersweet. Similar position. Yeah, it, it is a little bittersweet, but also too, you know, I think it's that's a really great point that Manny takes that makes that you know we've all been looking at Julian this whole time over at Groita, but really Timothy Tillman's been the one that's been showing out, not been getting any love. So I think it's a really good call. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and highlight a player that both Jake and I are really high on right now. Cameron Carter Vickers uh, mm. has been putting in solid performance after solid performance for Celtic. They beat Hibernian to win the Scottish Cup yesterday or two days ago, I think. Uh, they won 2-1. Carter Vickers was, I think, recently rated the best center back in the entirety of Scotland. He's just done so well with this loan move and I'm excited to see it. And at this point, I've got to think he's pushing towards a call up because he's just done nothing but impress on this loan move so Cameron Carter Vickers shout out to him for another great performance over the weekend I'm going to go to Portugal and the ghost of Reggie Cannon has slowly been materializing into being a starter again uh he started (laughs) over the weekend Boa Vista won their game despite a red card and Cannon was Fop Mob's man of the match so great performance for him I think it actually said he was playing as a left, a right center back in a back three instead of at his usual right back position. So Hmm. an interesting wrinkle from him. If he continues to play in that spot, that adds another sort of dynamic we could see with him in the national team picture. And then last but not least, Eunice Musa continues to be fantastic in his cup matches in Spain. (laughs) Uh, He had a first minute back heel half volley goal in his midweek cup match. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. It was, it was was cheeky. Yeah. It's unfortunate that he doesn't get many minutes in the league matches. I think he played two minutes uh, yesterday, but he just continues to show out in the cup matches. I think it shows that Valencia believes in him and that they want to see him develop, even if they're not sort of giving him the minutes that they want to see. We want to see from him at a center mid spot right now in La Liga. So I'm excited about watching him develop. He continues to be one of Valencia's best players in the cup. So that that's great to see as well. Were there any notable, not so good performances? We've talked about the great performances, the standout players in Europe. Is there anyone we're striking any players who you don't think were up to snuff this week in Europe? Nothing, <clears throat> nothing new. I think we touched on a lot of it last week. It's, you know, it's the, the deaths of the world, not getting minutes. It's, Brooks being, you know, a bench warmer for his club right now. It's Matthew Hoppy that people can't even find him. So we're putting milk cartons out for Matthew Hoppy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is where we're at for our strikes, man. So yeah. besides those guys that, you know, we've, that have been out there for a minute, we're just waiting for him to come back. That's, that's about it for strikes 
Besides that, everyone Man, who's playing yeah. is, is average. No one, I think, went out and had a performance that was god-awful. Manny, you got any that you've clocked? Uh, I think Ryan kind of pretty much touched upon those guys. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the guys that are hurt right now and not playing, mm-hmm. those are those are disappointing. But, no, nah, yeah, I think Ryan pretty much put a, a – I, I can't really think of anybody else that has just really just been very poor as of, as of late, but – yeah, I think the one that I've clocked as not being up to snuff is Christian Pulisic. And I want to get you guys' opinions on his last couple games at Chelsea. I don't know if you've been watching. If you're not familiar with Chelsea's situation right now, Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, and Romelu Lukaku are all out in COVID protocol right now. Chelsea only, and so is Callum Hudson-Odoi. Chelsea only has three healthy attackers. They are Mason Mount, Hakim Ziyech, and Christian Pulisic. So Christian Pulisic is playing as a true number nine for Thomas Tuchel right now. And it doesn't seem to be working very well. And I wanted to get you guys' takes on how this was going and what you thought of Pulisic's new role at Chelsea over the last few weeks. I mean, he had one good opportunity over the weekend that I think he kind of squandered. But besides that, uh, I don't think he's gotten, you know, incredible service. He's not incredibly comfortable in that position. And it also kind of taking it more towards a USMNT point of view, it kind of worries me when you hear Greg say things like, oh, if we need to, Christian can play the false nine. Like, we've seen Christian there a, a decent amount. I, I really don't think he can. I mean, he, he can, but at a low level. Uh, and it's not maximizing him when you put him out on the left wing and let him just, you know, shred people up as he's taking him on one-on-one on the wing. That's, that's what Christian's great at, is almost creating more for others than he does for himself sometimes. Uh, yeah. So is it that Christian's super out of, I think it's a little bit of everything. It's Christian's out of form. Tuchel's playing him not in his most comfortable position. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting January. We'll we'll see what happens if, if he's going to stay there through the window. Personally, uh, I hope he does because, you know, I love actually having a USMNT player on a huge club that, you know, hopefully once he rolls back into form, making a significant difference. It's It's something nice for us to be able to have. Yeah. Manny, you got any thoughts? So I probably will be the contrarian on on this idea. So I think we all believe that club is where you you develop at, right? So um, I I just have this belief that our players are sometimes static in in their positioning and, and their ability and skill. And so, like, I'm, I guess I'll be the contrarian. Like, I actually like the fact that he's playing a different position he's not comfortable with. Um, cause it's just, an, it's just going to only add to his toolbox. I don't want to see it at the, at the, at the national team level yet, but I'd rather him do it with his club team so he could get used to playing. Yeah. I'm all for our players getting tactical, um, flexibility, yeah, flexibility, or... right? Tactical yeah. flexibility because you never know. We might need to, we might need to to have a form a wacky formation one game because of you know our opposition and we need players to be comfortable when we put them in certain positions so i'm actually for it is he struggling okay Good i'm time. not a chelsea fan so but <laughs> but, that's, but yeah like a great I, attitude to take to it i hadn't thought of it that way before having you know getting a chance to sort of test him and push his limits and make him uncomfortable is a, it's a, that's a really positive way to spin a few performances that have been lacking. I think my main frustration with it is that they look great in this formation when they're playing through each other's feet, 
there have been some really nice link-ups between Pulisic and Ziyech, but they sort of devolved very quickly into these sort of hitting cross after cross after cross to 5'10 Pulisic against 6'3 center backs. <laughs> and it just, it's it's almost comical to watch it play out because you just know it's not going to work. And it, it's it's very frustrating as a U.S. fan to sort of watch Pulisic not be able to do anything with that. But yeah, that's that's sort of my main gripe with it. I, I It'd be interesting to see him in a position of a false nine dropping a little bit deeper because when he's dropped deeper, it's been okay. But it, it, I'm with Ryan. I think that it just doesn't really work that well. And I would rather see Timothy Weah there if we're talking about a winger converting to striker for the U.S. men's for national sure. team. So guys, before we ha- get out of this podcast, I want to go ahead and get some games you're watching. We got um, a Boxing Day slate that's pretty big and a big slate on Wednesday. Are there any games you are looking forward to over the next week that we should be tuning into? Manny, why don't you take this one since I didn't do my homework? <laughs> I didn't do mine either. Uh, a quick look. Um, a quick look here. I do see that um, City and... Lester are, are playing on, on Boxing Day. Um, and Liverpool leads. I mean, it, it you can go wrong. You can't go wrong with, with any of these, these matches. Um, the Bundesliga is obviously they're on break right now. Um, but, yeah, that, that's really – honestly, what the Premier League is pretty, pretty much the only big league that's still going on during this this time frame so yeah that that that's all for me yeah i i haven't done as much of my homework as i should have here but i i am excited for venezia lazio tomorrow i think that'll be a fun game uh this will be i guess this might be coming out around that time so venezia lazio on wednesday sort of is my big game and then chelsea versus villa i think is the other really big game that'll be sort of the boxing day game to tune into not a whole lot going on as sort of the Christmas week comes and goes, but there's still some interesting soccer to be had this week. Some Yanks will be in action abroad. Uh, so with that, I think it's time for last words. Let's go ahead and get out of here. A lot of really great discussion on uh, US, the U.S.'s camp and on Yanks abroad this week. So go at Manny, I'll go ahead and give you a uh, last word, anything you want to sort of end with today. Um. You know, we had a good year. 2021 was definitely a good year. I think all of our boys, um, you know, did something historic for the program, whether it was winning Champions League, setting record minutes for Champions League um, across, like, all platforms, um, winning Nations League, winning winning the Gold Cup. And then, you know, we, we were so grim at the beginning of uh, World Cup qualifying, but we're, such, we're, such, we're still in such a good – position right now to qualify so overall I, I i can't complain so i just hope that we we take that success over into 2022 and uh get a world cup out of it so be great ryan no man i just appreciate manny jumping on with him and always giving that positive spin to it i dig it you know i, I feel like usmnt world needs a little bit more of that so really just uh pumped and privileged to jump on with manny so thank you so much for the opportunity to do that uh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. I'm, it's it's a pleasure. Uh, and then, secondly, too, that is living away from home and you know halfway around the world, and on opportunities like this, we don't necessarily get to go home and see our loved ones. So, just appreciate it. Take a second over this next week if you are with family and friends. That you know, we you really are privileged if you get to be just around your loved ones that, over this holiday weekend. 
So, you know, just take that extra second, hug your loved one for a second longer and just, you know, let them know you love them because not everybody over this holiday weekend is really going to get to. So Agreed. take that moment. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. You know, excited for a holiday weekend, excited to sort of be home with family myself. Uh, on another note, on an astronomy note this week, uh, James Webb Space Telescope is the big news of the day for all of us in the astronomy world. It launches on Christmas Eve. So send your good vibes down to Guiana because that's a really important launch. We need it to go well. So I'm going to be sort of anxiously watching the TV for non-sports we- reasons this week, uh, hoping for good news out of that launch. Uh, and I just want to thank everyone for supporting the Anxio Talking Podcast. It's been a great year, 26 episodes in, in this calendar year. Uh, just, we couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, thanks to Ryan. Thanks to Manny. Thanks to Jake, who's, you know, getting a well-deserved rest with his family this week. Uh, we're, we're so grateful for all of you guys. Uh, key, and hopefully we can keep bringing this to you guys next year. Cause it, it's just a pleasure to keep doing this. So with that, everyone have a happy holiday season. We will talk to you again sometime soon. I'm not sure if we'll do an episode next week or not, but for sure, come back at you 2022 as we hit it hard going through the last bits of World Cup qualifying. Thanks so much and have a great week, everyone. Servus. Peace.